for Your Good Ministries International, a ministry going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. This series is teaching on the law of first reference, that is, how we begin or upon what do we establish all things in our lives, and the law of first institution, that is, to what do we first work all things out in our lives. And now, here's Abraham. Well, again, a very good day to all of our listeners. We really do appreciate that you are watching this program and perhaps other programs that we've aired in the recent past. My name is Abraham Foss of For Your Good Ministries International. Again, really my great delight to share from the Word of God. So just a brief summary of last week. We won't stay here too long, but we spoke from various scriptures, but I want to make reference to just a few. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says, The Word of God, that's scripture, the Bible, as we apply it in any context of our lives, the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. It never brings about corruption or anything that's tainted or retarded. It always brings about a wonderful, perfect result. The Word of God is an incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. It's the constant, it's a consistent, it always abides, it never ever fades, passes away, or may I even say dies, and ceases to no longer exist. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, He upholds all things. So everything that represents all contexts of your life and mine, and all things that represent God, even God Himself, He upholds all things by the word of His power. The word is powerful. All things, says another translation, all things consist are bonded, are bound together, are held together, are kept in a solid place. All things consist by the word of His power. His word releases power to bring change or to put something in place so that change is not required because we embrace the word of God from the get-go. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35 we read, Heaven and earth shall pass away, as it will do when Jesus returns, for Jesus will create a new heavens and a new earth. So the other writer is saying that, the, that even heaven and earth will pass away. When we look at the heavens and the earth, we think, well, that's here forever. But the writer is looking to consolidate a point. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means ever pass away. What a wonderful promise, a guarantee, that when I or you embrace God's word, it's something that cannot pass away. It will always consistently bring about its promised intention of that that's good for me. In Psalm 119 verse 89 we read, Forever, again, Jesus is this eternal bearing on the word of God. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. If it's settled in heaven, God desires that it's settled on earth, that His kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, heaven itself represents the fullness of the kingdom of God found in the Word of God. 
So forever, O Lord, your word is settled. It won't change, not one iota. It will never falter. It's an absolute. If you said it, it's going to happen. It shall come to pass. There is zero variation from the word of God. What an encouraging promise that we can be consoled in. That when we embrace the word of God and we apply the word of God, we can only get that one good result that the word of God promises. For the word of God is also settled in heaven as an absolute. And then we looked at Hebrews chapter 6, just to encourage us by this truth. From verse 6 to 18, and it says, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So we as mankind in our carnal nature, we may swear or, or, or apply an oath to something to settle a dispute as regards to any matter that may be in dispute. But God goes one further and says this, as the writer in Hebrews writes, it says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly, in other words, the oath that we as mankind may make, God wants to show something more abundant. And how can it be more abundant? Well, let's read on. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, God too confirmed it by an oath. So when God confirms something by an oath, there's nothing higher to confirm an oath by. God is the highest order of all oaths. And when God gives an oath, in other words, he's saying, I'm giving you an oath that when you do and you apply my word of God, I guarantee you, you're going to get its outcome. It shall not falter. It shall be as it is. If it's not as it is, it's because you haven't applied it as it truly is. So it says, God's now confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things, unchangeable things, by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. God will not lie. It's outside of God's nature to lie. God honors His word. When God says something, it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. I can trust that God because He's a God who shall not, cannot, will not lie. What He says shall come to pass. If I apply His word, it's going to happen as His word of God guarantees it's going to be. So it is impossible for God to lie, so that from that we may have strong consolation. I can be consoled by the Word of God. If I'm applying the Word of God, even if I'm not seeing fruit initially, I can be consoled that God is a God that He cannot and He shall not lie. And because I know that to be true, I can find consolation in that truth. That if I'm applying God's Word, its result shall come to pass. It may take a season sometimes. When we go to Mark 4, we'd learn about seed, time, and then harvest. But if I am applying God's word, I am going to get God's result. It's going to override my past failures and heartaches and shortcomings and pains and anguishes. It's going to do that. I'm going to get God's result because God cannot lie. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, we read and find out something very similar to that that we've just read. From the book of Hebrews. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said 
and will he not do? If God says you can take that to the bank, it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. Has he said and will he not do? The answer is yes, he will do. If God has said, and of course the word of God, scripture is what God says about a matter. If God has said something, yeah, the question is, and will he not do? Oh yes, he will do. Whatever God says, for God is a man that he cannot lie. He will always do. When you put faith and trust in that immutability that God cannot lie, then there is consolation in your mind that God will do as he promised or he covenanted, or as he said in scripture. It says, or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So when God speaks into something, when God speaks by his word, and I receive it inside of me, God will make any situation good. Whatever it might be, the word of God, may I say, is the antidote to that that I've sown in my life that doesn't represent his word. And now it says, behold, I have received commandment to bless. So in this case, it was an intention to bring about a curse. But the Bible says a curse cannot alight upon us. And now there's a, there's a conclusion. God has blessed and no one, because God cannot lie, says, and I cannot reverse it. Whatever is of God, whatever represents God, whatever is the word of God, whatever is done that lines up to the word of God, cannot be reversed. Its outcome is only one thing, the blessing of God in that context. For Your Good Ministries International, a ministry whose vision it is to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. For Your Good both hosts its own conferences and is also invited into other contexts to train and to teach. Two, train pastors and leaders and others in the fivefold ministry. Training to church governance with resultant unity. Mediate into and bring about conflict resolution. Training to marriage, family and parenting. Training to the business sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity demands a blessing. Trains too into the educational sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity demands a blessing. For You Good also establishes Bible colleges. For You Good Ministries ministers on Christian radio, on online platforms and on various social media platforms. Partner with us for For Your Good Ministries as a heart for all is going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. And email us for more information on our ministry services or to train into your context. Reach out to us on inquiries at foryourgood.net. Let's then look at Psalm 107, verse 20, and trust that we're doing it in its proper order to get us guaranteed result. 
So it says in verse 20 of Psalm 107, he sent his word for what purpose? What was the purpose as to why God sends his word? Firstly, the word can represent Jesus Christ and he fulfilled this purpose. But because Jesus personifies what the word is, so too does it apply to the word of God, the Bible or scripture. So you could say he sent the Bible. He sent his word for what purpose? To heal them. So the word of God, you could say, is a healing agent. Because all of us as mankind, we're born into sin. And sin brings about dishealth. Sin brings about, you may say, sickness. In other words, that that doesn't uh, align itself up to what God intends. So what does God do? He sends His Word to heal. The way we get healing into any area of our lives is by the Word of God. So again, He sent His Word and healed them. What followed thereafter? And delivered them from all their destructions. Now friends, I have observed over lives, people who may be perhaps alcoholics, they may be drug addicts, they may be caught up in, in promiscuity, and often what we do as a church, and well intendedly so, we try and deliver them from something that they are ensnared in. And so many homes or institutions that may I say treat people who may be caught in this kind of demise, they try and deliver people before they are healed. And so how do you bring about healing? You first bring the word of God, let me use an example, to an alcoholic or a drug addict. Because healing is required firstly. Because if I were able to deliver someone whilst they're still not healed, may I paint a picture while they're still sick, they're going to fall back into that same bondage that they were in bondage in before. And so I don't start with bondage or to deliver them from something. I come back to the word of God and I bring about healing. So let's look at that portion of scripture again. He sent his word, which is also the person of Jesus, who fulfilled all scripture. He sent his word. So we bring the word of God to people firstly. So let's use the, the example again of marriage, perhaps. If the marriage is in a place of dishealth, we bring the word to bring about healing, and that healing by the word of God will redress the areas that they need to be delivered from. May I say their failures or their shortcomings, their heartaches or the consequences in their lives. So if we don't coach people what not to do or what to do firstly, we're coaching to go to the Word of God, but it will bring about healing as they embrace the Word of God. Their being is re-established that they now do the Word and the wrong thing they were doing in the past is no longer done. And so they're delivered from that thing in the past. Of course, we spoke earlier in one of our episodes from John chapter 8, verse 31 through to 32, and we see the same sequence about working to how we can be free from something. Is that we go to the Word of God, we believe the Word of God, we do, we speak, we do the Word of God, and from that we set free from bondages that represent a past status in our lives. So He sent His Word to heal them, and then from that, and to deliver them from all of their destructions. 
So it's the word first. We don't deal with the doing first or what's not being done first. Religion does that. Religion focuses on what people do. They tell them what to do and what to stop doing. But the Bible says that that strengthens sin. It makes matters worse. That's the product or the result of something. And so when we bring the word of God first, it'll bring about healing. From that healed situation or status inwardly, now that outworks itself to the outward and it delivers them from all of their destructions. So the word of God is the agent. I like to, when I go into alcoholics, anonymous type contexts, drug rehab centers and the like, I often teach this when I go to their so-called success ratios, their percentages of success. Most claim that their success rate, sustainably so, is probably no more than 2 to 5, maybe 7, 8% at most of sustained success. Many leave there, but a month or two or three, six months, a year later, they're back in those institutions. I'm talking about sustained success, where people are now out of that bondage and they're living free of it because they always come to the Word first. So I encourage those institutions, bring the Word first. Teach people what the Word is, what the Word is capable of doing, and allow healing to come first. Because until you are healed, you cannot be delivered. And so he sent his word and healed them and then delivered them from all of their destructions. It's the result of the word. You don't deliver by stopping to do or don't do it any longer. You deliver from the healed status of the word of God. It's the word's function to bring about deliverance of all destructions. So let's look at what ensures or guarantees that the word of God will be effective or will work in your life and mine. And so when we go to the book of James, the book of James, many theologians say, was probably the first book ever written in the New Covenant. Now that's interesting, because the Bible is not compiled necessarily by sequence of time, but it's been put together in an order that may help some of us as we read it. But the book of James, in actuality, is prospectively one of, if not the first book that was written in Scripture. The book of James is really kind of a manual or a book of instruction as to how to live the Christian life. And so James has only got five chapters to it. It's quite a short book, but it's a very uh, uh, helpful book. I refer to it as a book of instruction. In other words, how to live the Christian life. Because the basic says, if this is happening, here's your answer. If this is the case, this is how you correspond to bring about a change. So James says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, where he's talking about the word of God, he says, But be ye doers of the word. So faith is faith. When I see the word of God, when I embrace it, that it's God's way to bring about a guaranteed result that will prosper and bring benefit and blessing to my life. When I receive that, and I say, I believe it will bring about that result, that result only comes about when I start to do the word in that context. So James is saying, this is so helpful to us, the church, because many of us are expecting or hoping for a result that James says is not going to come until we do as is follows. He says, but be ye doers of the word. To do the word is really to apply faith. 
because faith means a corresponding action that's consistent with a belief that I have. So it says, but be ye doers of the word. Do the word of God in your marriage, in your employer, in your employee status, in any area of context of your life, in your finances, being a father, being a mother, whatever it might be. When you go to the word of God, you search it out, you believe it, you receive it. Now you release faith in its regard by doing the word of God. Whatever I believe, I only believe when I do. Until I do, I haven't actually believed that I claim I have believed. So it says, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only. So often we may hear the word of God and think something's going to happen, but it doesn't happen by hearing alone. We need to hear to do. Only then does the word of God become effective in our lives, in any context into which it applies in our lives. So it says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, thereby deceiving yourselves. So James is saying, if I'm hearing the word only and not doing it, I'm living in deception, thinking I'm going to get a result that I'm never going to get. So how do I get that result? Again, I bring about a corresponding action of faith by doing the word of God. When I do the word of God, healing is going to come. I'm going to be delivered from my brokenness or my destructions of the past. And I'm going to get the promised outworking of the word that I'm doing. Peter puts it like this when he goes to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 2 through to 4. So Peter says this, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now this portion of scripture is awesome because there's so many aspects or facets or approaches we can take in how we teach it. And I'm going to avoid the temptation to maybe talk into some of the facets that this scripture is talking about. But I want to say consistent to what we're teaching into through the series, which is the high value of the Word of God, or the law of first reference by going to the Word of God in any and every context of our lives. So I'm going to stay with that and uh, expound this portion of Scripture in that regard. So again, it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How's it going to be multiplied to you? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things. God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But then He says as follows. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So in this context, I'm going to use this portion of Scripture through the knowledge of the Word of God. So how do I partake of a walk in the divine nature of God, which brings about God-type results, is by gaining a knowledge of God through His Word. We spoke about God elevating His Word above all of His name, Psalm 138 verse 2 in an earlier episode. And so by me gaining a knowledge of God, let's read on, who called us by glory and virtue, 
by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. God's promises in His Word are exceedingly great and most precious promises. They like precious diamonds or pearls, but there's so much more than just that. It says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So when we search out God's word, what are we searching out? Great and precious promises, exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these, through these promises in God's word, that when we take God's word and we apply it and do God's word, that through these, he says, you may be partakers of the very divine nature of God. So when I go to the word of God, and I receive that word of God, which is an exceedingly great and precious promise, when I embrace that to the point that I'm doing it, it says through these words, in whatever context it may have its application, that through these words, the word of God, that that God says, or is the counsel of God's wisdom as to how to do something. He says that through the word, if you like, you may be partakers of the divine nature of God. You could also say partakers realizing the fruit of God's promised intention by the counsel of the word of God. He says that when you do this, you will escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. Lust in this context represents doing something that is carnally inclined, is man's way of thinking. So that I, I escape the results that lust always brings, which is destruction, heartache, and pain. How do I escape that destruction in my life? I go to the Word of God, which is an exceedingly great and precious promise. I apply the Word of God so that through the Word of God, I become a partaker of the divine nature of God, which is always and only and ever will be good. And by doing so, I'm going to escape. I'm going to be removed from the corruption that was in my past. So Peter teaches us that to go to the Word of God, we now are correlating or aligning or partaking from or taking of the very divine nature of God, which brings about God's results in any context or area of our lives. So again, as we close out today's episode, it's my encouragement that we trust the Word of God. Because the Word of God is powerful, it's living, it's active. It will always and can only bring about its result, its promised covenant that God has given to us, that will be the case in any area of our lives. So meditate on God's Word. Go to God's Word in an area where you may be challenged, or an area that you're about to go into. You plan to get married in years to come. You plan to be a father or a mother, to start a business, to look at things financial and or whatever the context might be. Or you're struggling in an area, search out the Word of God. Believe it and do it, knowing that its promised result will be yours, ultimately. So this is Abraham Foss saying thank you for joining us today. Look forward to sharing the Word of God with you again next week, same time and same place. We thank you for joining us in viewing this program and look forward to meeting with you next week as we continue with this series.